the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
This is an emergency announcement to the American Church. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Our cities are burning. Over 145 cities burned last night. They say this is about George Floyd. It's not. He was just the pin that pricked the bubble of rage and anger. I'm going to share with you some very straight, honest things from the Word of God and from the heart of Jesus. I have watched several nights on the Internet to the videos of the rage and the violence, the burning, the looting, I've listened to the cries of frustrated rage as the people on the streets have rioted. This is not a protest. It's a riot. I was in Washington, D.C. many years ago when there was a poor people's march with Martin Luther King. I was told that if I marched in that, my seminary told me they would expel me and I would lose my scholarship. I said, it doesn't matter. He's right. I will march with the protesters. I was right to do so. I was honored to march with them and to listen to the message by Martin Luther King. That's not what's happening today. This is hopelessness. This is bitterness. Many of these who are on the streets have been put out of work because of the falseness of the pandemic. There was no reason to shut America down. They're bearing the brunt, and they're angry. I don't justify their behavior. It's wrong. But I understand it. What I do not understand is the American church. 
Franklin Graham, whom I have great respect for, called for this past Sunday to be a day of prayer for peace in America. I told my congregation, do not pray for peace in America. It's not peace that we need. It's repentance that we need. It's holiness that we need. It's lifting up a standard once again, understanding the true gospel, not the false gospel. Easy believism. Once saved, always saved. The reformed word is so false and such an utter lie, it has brought about this condition in America. I lay, if there is to be blame laid, I lay it at the foot of the pulpits of America, my pulpit as well. I am desperately concerned. Now I want to share with you the word of the Lord. It's straight and it's honest. In Romans, the first chapter, I'll begin reading with verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain. Verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And then verse 26. God gave them over to shameful lust. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones, the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Verse 29, They became filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. No, they don't. They've never heard that. Instead, they have been told... You can go to church and be saved and you can continue to walk in your bitterness and in your anger, in your lust, in your wickedness, and you're saved. You can't lose your salvation. You're God's kid. He loves you unconditionally. We have lied to them. Mayor de Blasio, New York City, his daughter was arrested last night on the front lines in Washington, D.C., rioting thuggery, destruction of property. How is that possible? Because Mayor de Blasio and all of those of that generation sold out the gospel of Jesus Christ and the pastors right along with them. It's been going on 
really since the turn of the century. I've watched in my life over the last 50 years of pastoral ministry in this city, I've watched as things have constantly moved downhill into utter destruction. I was here on North Capitol Street when Washington, D.C. burned. It was terrifying. I've watched as attempts have been made. Men of God have come to this city. They've left empty Hampton. David Wilkerson came and preached in this city before his untimely death. There was no response. I don't blame those who are rioting. It lies at the feet of the church in the pulpits of America. Revelation, the third chapter. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. This is Jesus himself, the resurrected Lord, speaking from heaven to John on the Isle of Patmos. He said, I know your deeds. He is saying this morning, I know your deeds, American church. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. doesn't say, pray for peace. It says, obey the word. Leave your sin. Repent. I preached this message in an Anglican church in Woodbridge. The bishop was so angry with me, he told the the church to throw me off the church property and to never let me come back, even on the property. He was so angry because I dared preach against the sin of the church and call them to repent. He said, it's heresy. We're all saved eternally. We're a part of the family of God. We're on our way to heaven in the midst of our sin. I pray for that dear man. I have forgiven him. But he was wrong. And that bishop is directly responsible for what's going on in our communities. And those like him who have preached a false gospel. We are responsible, pastors. This is the church in Sardis. The Lord goes on and says, there are a few people who've not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white, and I will never blot out his name from the book of life. The Lord is going to blot your name out of the book of life if you're walking in known sin and rebellion against the Lord, even though you call yourself a Christian. Even if you're a pastor. Jesus was very clear. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, he's just presented the Beatitudes. 
And immediately he says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. The American church has lost its salt. We have abdicated to the devil American culture. We have tried to join it. We have tried to be like it. We've brought the concerts and the humor. We've brought the fog and the lights. We've brought Hollywood into the church. Or we've established our our little church rituals, our church holidays, as we walked in our wickedness before God. I don't know how to say this to you. I'm not angry with you. I'm with you. But I have to come and say to you, we're not making it. The American church is facing the judgment of God. Another passage of scripture, Matthew 7, verse 13, enter through the suffering gate. It's suffering because it's so narrow, you cannot enter it and bring your wickedness in. The gate into the church is wide and broad today in America. You're welcome to come in in your sin and continue in your sin. There's no message of transformation into a new creature in Christ, of all the bondages of sin being broken. Oh no, the message is you can never leave your sin. I listened as the Bible answer man taunted someone on the on the telephone who said, isn't it possible for us to leave all of our sin by the blood of Jesus? He taunted them and said, no, you are always going to be a wicked sinner. You are saved by grace. Grace is the blanket that covers your sin. No, it's not. Grace is the blood of Jesus Christ that removes my sin and frees me from the bondage of sin. Listen. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small, that is, groaning is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Are you content that the church should not find life? Because the church has not found life, these thugs, these criminals... These protesters, these rioters have not found life either because they've never heard the true gospel of Jesus. They've heard a false gospel, a gospel of unconditional love. They've never heard about the judgment and the fire of hell. They've never heard that they are lost and that there is a place where they can be washed clean and their life can be restored to them, that there is provision for them. There's no longer any need to be hopeless because Jesus is our hope. They've never heard that message. Instead, they've heard the cheap gospel of easy believism. Walk in your sin. Eternal salvation can't be lost. What lies? 
Listen, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Is your church pastor? Are you producing grapes or, or thorns? Are you producing figs or thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. The church in America is bearing bad fruit. We're in trouble. The wrath of God is coming against us. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And by their fruit, you will recognize them. The American church is about to be cut down and thrown in the fire. The fires, have, they're burning already. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only those who walk in obedience to the commands of Christ will enter into heaven. There is no cheap grace. Grace is never a blanket to cover over your sin. Grace, according to Titus, is that which removes your sin by the blood of Jesus. Grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is to the church. It's Jesus saying, I will say to the American church, away from me, you evildoers. Oh, my brother, my sister, do you hear the word of the Lord today? Don't blow it off. Don't blow it off. Luke, the 14th chapter. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, that is, be indifferent to his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. There is no entrance into the kingdom of God without suffering. Suffering the loss of my own life, of being crucified with Christ, of losing everything in this world and in the flesh. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Where was Jesus going when he spoke that word? He was going to Golgotha to be crucified. We must be crucified with Christ. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and he was not able to finish. Today, the American church is the laughing stock of the culture of America. We are scorned because we are powerless. We have no Holy Spirit power. Those who claim Holy Spirit power want to do their little tricks. 
They want to make people fall down and feel like, oh, I'm somebody because I made somebody just pass out on the floor. Are you kidding me? Oh, we have gold dust falling from our ceiling. Come on. Spread the sheet, collect it, and pay your mortgage. This is foolishness. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Here he has ears to hear. Let him listen. Today, if you have ears to hear, you can scorn what I'm saying. I'll understand if you do. But please don't. Let me read for you some things that have been sent to me via the text. This person writes, Reformed, once saved, always saved theology, has rendered huge swaths of the New Testament irrelevant, null, and void. I know what he means. He means that once you believe you're saved and you can't lose your salvation, you don't even see many parts of the Scripture that would disagree with you. Paul says, in order of commands, those that don't keep the commandments of God put themselves under the law. The Pauline epistles are largely ignored by modern teaching. They are selectively used, yet Paul was balanced. He writes in nearly every epistle on righteousness, holiness, and warnings and admonitions, yet they are ignored disfavored to the grace and mercy passages the pauline epistles are ignored they teach holiness the church at large in america is open is in open disobedience to the word of god denying the new birth new creation that paul says keeps the commandments of god in reference to the dozen passages Every New Testament writer says the believer will be judged by what they do. Pastor James, the elder of the earliest church, the Lord's brother, says flat out, you are not saved by faith alone. What's he mean? Faith is a gift. You are saved by faith alone, but it includes what God does in you and walking righteous before God. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. 1 Corinthians 10 The church has largely ignored major categorical imperatives of the New Testament for decades. No longer do the preachers preach against sin, No longer do they teach repentance. And we wonder why cities are burning. We're no longer salt and light. There is little difference between the professing Christian of our day versus the pagan. What makes sense? (laughs) 
is that the power of the Holy Spirit today is ignored in the church and denied and marginalized. Once you accept Reformed theology, much of the New Testament no longer will mean anything to you. You will say that James is now an epistle of straw, as Martin Luther did. Therefore consider, please, this person writes, Therefore consider the goodness and the severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. This person wrote me a whole series of texts. He was right on. We're in trouble. If we look carefully at Romans, the 11th chapter, verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Speaking of unbelieving Jewish people. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant. Be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. What we are facing is America, the church in America, being cut off from the living God of heaven. Now, in the book of Galatians, there are several things I need to share with you. I'm going to share them very quickly. Chapter 5, Galatians, verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature and the preachers of our day have taught that you can indulge the sinful nature and still be saved. Paul is saying no. Rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And America is now being destroyed by Americans. America is being destroyed by Americans because the church is absent. We have not taught in America the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We've taught a false gospel. We must return to that true gospel. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Oh, my brother and sister, the world must be crucified to us and we must be crucified to the world What counts is a new creation. My message to the American church today is very simple. We are responsible for what is happening in America. America is burning because we have taught America a false gospel because we wanted to be loved and approved of and we wanted to build our big churches in these big cities with pastors building mega businesses and making mega bucks. And church in America has become in large part a business. And it's sin against Almighty God. And as one said, the chickens have now come home to roost for the American church. And there is only one solution. And it's not pretty. It is to call for solemn assemblies. It is to call together the people of God with pastors between the people and the porch of God. Confessing, pastors, confessing your sin to your congregation that you have preached a false gospel of easy believism, that you have engaged in entertainment and foolishness, that you have not rebuked sin, that you have not called your people to righteousness, you have not dealt honestly with your people. It's time we do that. It's time we confess our sin and turn from our wicked ways. And if we will humble our hearts and confess our sin, confess our desire to be pleasing to the people, confess our desire to make a living in America, confess our desire to be successful, and our ambitions have run amok of the will of God. Pastors, it's time for you to repent. It's time for me as a pastor, for all of us to come before God's people with humility and confess our sins. And then to teach our congregations the true gospel of Jesus, that you must leave your sin. You must be crucified with Christ. You must be made alive as a new creature. Only then will you be salt and light Only then will you be worth listening to in the culture. We have lost the culture war because we are salt that has lost its saltiness. We have sinned. We have sinned against our nation. I am so concerned today for those dear men and women 
who are filled with such hopelessness. There is hope, but that hope is found in obedience to Jesus. It's not found in being popular. It's not found in successful church ministries that please the flesh. And that's 99% of the churches in America. We love our entertainment. We love our social circles. We love our success and our big buildings. So God put us on lockdown. Time out, church. Time out, church. In the book of Second Timothy. But mark this. Chapter 3. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now I want to warn you. This passage is speaking about the American church. This is God's word to you, American church and American pastor. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. I can tell you right now, many of those, many of those protesters, many of those rioters are out of your church, pastor. Many of those rioters filled with such rage and hopelessness are out of your church. Or their mom and daddy were a part of your church. But they didn't find any answers. They will be without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That is the apt description of the American church today. Today, as the riots are exploding across our nation, as cities are burning, as men and women are being injured, as police are being cast down. And what does the American church leadership say? Oh, brothers, let's pray for peace. Are you kidding me? You missed it. This is not about praying for peace. This is about praying for repentance on the part of the pastors and then on the part of the church. It's time for repentance in America. We have all sinned against Almighty God. We've lived in this culture in our comfort and our ease. But we have not preached repentance. We have not preached righteousness. We have not preached holiness. We have not preached suffering in the name of Jesus Christ being crucified going out with love in our hearts, humility in our spirit, to tell those thugs that we love them, that we're sorry, that there's a better way. It's the way of the cross. 
Until we do this, America will be utterly destroyed. It will be devastated. It will be laid waste. It is up to the church. It is up to you as pastors. Is your salary and your benefits and your retirement so precious to you? As one pastor said of a mega church, if I go and preach repentance to my church, the church will be empty and closed and it will not financially sustain itself. Let it be. Let your church building go. You don't need the church building. You need the Holy Spirit of the living God. You need righteousness and holiness in your spirit, preacher. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. The American church is full of seminars and workshops, strategies for for successful living, strategies for profit, for name it and claim it, strategies for wealth and success. We are a church of depraved minds, and we have been rejected by Almighty God. And the wrath of God is now coming against America. We must quickly, quickly repent and seek the face of God with tears and with sorrow. That's what I've been doing. I didn't want to do this message today. I cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, really? Do I have to deliver this message? They'll think I'm angry. I'm not angry. I'm brokenhearted. The scriptures say that everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Preacher, that's you. You have said you confess the name of Jesus, but you sit in front of your television and drink in the pornography. You drink in the violent movies. You drink in the wickedness of our culture and our day. You go to the clubs. You hang out with God and you hang out with the world and you think you're cool. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Lord, I know that we are not without hope. I know, Jesus, you are the hope of the ages. I know that you have said we are worthless because we have lost our saltiness. And I know it will take a divine miracle of grace to restore that saltiness to your people. Lord, I am not, I am not hopeless today, but I am brokenhearted at my own laziness and my own ignorance and lack of ability to speak this word in such a manner that it will Move the hearts of your people. 
So I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would go forth right now across this city and deal with the heart of every pastor. I ask that you would go forth across this great nation of America, whom I know you love, and whom I know is causing great grief to your heart. I ask that you send your Holy Spirit forth over this city to bring soberness of heart and mind to your church and to your pastors. I know you love your church and you love the pastors. I know you love us, Jesus. But I know you're not going to put up with this wickedness any longer. Lord, many of those dear ones out there on the streets have lost all hope. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their income. They don't know how they're going to survive. And it was all a hoax. And now their rage is bursting forth. The result of a false gospel. And no call to holiness. A false theology promulgated by the Reformed Church. A false theology promoted by many Pentecostals who just focus on prosperity and fun and games with the Holy Spirit. Promoted by the institutional churches with their formal worship services and their parties and their inside social life. Lord, I know your wrath is upon this nation. But Lord, I cry out today for those who are on the streets and I ask for their redemption. I ask that you would raise up a people in your churches, that you would raise up pastors in your churches who would give up the wicked life of the American church, who would repent honestly before you, who would seek your face, who would give up their rich churches into your hand and preach an honest message to them. Lord, would you put courage in the hearts of the pastors of America? Would you turn our eyes to the real issues of righteousness and holiness instead of just this cheap prayer for peace? I know peace is a byproduct of something much greater We pray today for your church and for your pastors and for the lost and dying because they have never heard an honest gospel of grace that makes them into a new creature and breaks every bondage of sin and opens the way of provision. Lord, only you can change this in our great nation. Only you can rescue us, mighty Jesus. In the past, when the church has lost its footing 
and lost its way, there have been men like Jonathan Edwards who stood up and preached sinners in the hands of an angry God, and you moved with power. Or there have been men like John Wesley or George Whitfield who have stood up and preached an honest gospel, and you have moved with power and revival. Would you come again? Would you move among us with power? Lord, would you move among us with power and authority? Will you redeem your church? For Lord, if you don't, we're going to be utterly blown away. Lord, Nietzsche was right when he said, God is dead. Oh, you're there, but you're dead in the American church. We follow our rituals and we follow our culture and we follow our customs. But we're dead to you, Jesus. Lord, would you come? And would you redeem us? Lord, would you come? And would you put your word in our mouths and in our hearts? And would you break the bondages of sin that have captured your pastors? And would you break the bondages of sin that hold the American church in its grasp? Would you rebuke the devourer who has come to utterly wipe out the Christian church in America. Lord, would you do whatever is necessary to save us? Lord, I put all of my hope and all of my trust and all of my confidence in you. I know you will bring revival, for the need is desperate. Lord Charles Finney said, you always bring revival when the church is about to die. Lord, the American church is almost totally dead. There are only a few remaining who are walking in holiness. I'm not sure, Jesus, if I should pray for revival or if I should pray for resurrection. But I ask Jesus, would you come and rescue us? Our need is so great before your throne all I can do is cast myself at your feet and say, Jesus, please redeem your people and put a message of righteousness, holiness, and redemption in our mouths. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to an emergency announcement to the American church. Would you pass it on to others? Would you put it on your Facebook pages? Will you subscribe to this video? Would you send it out? Would you make it go viral? Would you go to every place you are on Facebook and post it on everybody's place? I'm 
Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray God's blessing for you today. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Oh